Welcome to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast where we dismantle the media misinformation that floods our news feeds all week long. The media tries to mislead you literally every day. Each episode of this podcast will leave you more equipped to correctly interpret the news and spot their deception quicker than before. This is Luke Taylor, an austere religious scholar, who will be your host in this roundup of the past week of fake news. And to start off, I want to start with something that actually this should have been in last week's episode, but I missed it. Um, If you can go back in your mind to two weeks ago, do you remember a long, long time ago when a guy took a Jewish synagogue hostage down in Texas um, and the standoff had ended with the terrorists dead, all the Jewish people survived, you know, thank goodness. Uh, If this had been a story where a white man had done this, a so-called white supremacist, you know, you'd remember this because it would have been in the news every day since then. But since he was not, this was, as they say, it was memory hold, uh, like Waukesha, which was from like last early December, I believe, like the like the lone wolf last year who rammed his vehicle into the Capitol and, and killed a police officer, like the guy a few years ago who shot up a congressional baseball game, uh, shot one of the congressmen in the United States House of Representatives. It was a Bernie Sanders supporter. You know, if when these stories, when they don't support a left wing narrative, The media just tries to move on from them as soon as possible to where people forget about them as soon as possible. And I kind of think that might have been what happened with this guy in Texas a few weeks ago. So even um, I think it was January 15th when this happened, even that day, the media was trying to downplay the facts about that case because the man who did this attack was Muslim. Um, I won't mention his name here, but it was just a, it was a typical Muslim sounding name. So you knew kind of who he was or where he was from, what his belief system probably was. You knew that very early on. You knew that basically from the get go. But the media tried to act all confused about why this Muslim terrorist would would want to make Jews the target of his violence. Here's a headline from The Independent. OK, if you're familiar with The Independent, it's a, a United Kingdom publication over there in up there in uh, England, the independent.co.uk is their website. Here's their headline. It said, Texas Synagogue, man with English accent holding congregation hostage. Yes, that's how the independent.co.uk, that's how they reported it. Man with English accent. <laughs> it was one of those darn Englishmen. Well, yes, this terrorist, he was from England, but he did come to America to carry this attack out. And so when you see it, when you see a story about something like this, you know, you want to know why, why is the person doing this thing? And sometimes the media can kind of give context clues to why a terrorist is committing some kind of atrocity. Okay. So for example, if the perpetrator, if he's a Muslim and the victims are Jews, a pretty safe assumption would be that this goes back to the centuries long conflict between Jews and Muslims that you know, Muslims believe that they are the real children of Abraham. Um, th- th- this is a religious war that's gone on for centuries. And it's one of the reasons there's not much peace in the Middle East, because the Jews have their own nation over there. That one Jewish nation of Israel. Dozens of Muslim countries, but there's that one Jewish nation. And so that's, you know, too much <laughs> for the Muslim countries to take. And there's constant terror attacks in Israel and over there in the Middle East. A lot of it related to this. And sometimes they even break out as we saw here in America. And just remember that when you see all these headlines against Israel all the time, that's trying to make the Jews out to be these aggressive oppressors in the Middle East. Well, the Jews over there are outnumbered by, you know, at least 10 to one. So 
The media doesn't want you to think about that. They always want to act like Muslims. They're always the victim or they're, they're always innocent. Even when they do things like take Jews hostage. Now, let me just ask you, um, before I like read you this headline from a few weeks ago, did, have you ever heard a news report identify someone based off of their accent? Like use that as the way to identify someone in the headline? <laughs> Again, from the independent.co.uk, it said, man with English accent holding congregation hostage. Man with English accent. Good grief. And then the White House put out a statement. And you know what? Their original statement on the attack, it didn't even mention that the Jews were the victims. Because it's the left wing in this country. They always want to play defense for the Muslims. They don't want you feeling sorry for the Jews. Uh, and this is not a conspiracy theory. The left is just openly anti-Semitic. I mean, they have people in their party who are just openly anti-Semitic. And they just, you know, they can say whatever they want because they control the culture right now. It made me think of this time when Trump was president. Um, it came to the time of the Armenian genocide. And and Trump commemorated the Armenian genocide. He, he commemorated it, and he commemorated it as Armenian Remembrance Day. He, and this is what he talked about when he put out a statement. He said the Armenians were deported, they were massacred, that they were marched to their deaths, talking about back in 1915. Those are the words that he used. He called it a tragedy. He called it a painful history. Donald Trump called it one of the worst atrocities of the 20th century. And the left in this country freaked out. They're like, why didn't Trump say that it was a genocide? Why didn't he use the word genocide? As if Donald Trump was, he was refusing to acknowledge what had happened there because he had left out this one word that they wanted him to use. You know, so when Donald Trump talks about something terrible that happened to people, the left freaks out if he just doesn't even use the right vocabulary that they want him to use, even though he was very clear about what he thought it was. But then in modern times, you know, well, modern times, a few years later, Biden's president, and he doesn't even mention in his original statement that it was actually Jews who were taken hostage. For some reason, they want to downplay that fact. When a group of Jews are taken hostage, the White House at first didn't even acknowledge that they were Jews. And then the next day, Biden was asked about it. And he's, he's like, you know, he's, he said, we still don't know what the terrorist motivations were. The FBI wouldn't even classify it as a terrorist action at first. They said they needed to investigate further before that, probably because they're too busy investigating all the parents who go to school board meetings. The FBI is fine with labeling them terrorists. But then this guy who's a Muslim terrorist, they, you know, then all of a sudden we, we need to figure out his motivations first. <laughs> we need to investigate it further. And, and the, isn't the FBI's purpose to catch guys like this before they commit a terror attack? That's what the FBI used to do. I know that you can't be perfect, but see, it's the FBI is out here staging white supremacy hoaxes. They had another one uh, here in the past few weeks. I didn't, I won't even get into it here, but they're staging white supremacy hoaxes. They're investigating parents for speaking out at school board meetings because that's what the Biden White House wants. And this guy slipped through their fingers. What are they even useful for anymore? That's why I say disband the FBI. So um, it was reported that this man... He was a man with a British accent. They said that so it wouldn't stir up any anti-Muslim sentiments. We don't want to stigmatize Muslims. <laughs> so I guess they decide they're going to stigmatize British people or people with British accents. So I, I would say this. Let's call their bluff on it. <laughs> if they're going to throw English accents into the gutter, 
I say let's just take him up on it. Let's cut off all of our ties to people with English accents until those people with English accents can get their anti-Jewish radicals under control. All right, guys, it, we're stigmatizing British people now. So you know what that means? No more crumpets. No more crumpets. And I don't even know what crumpets are. I've never looked it up. I've never even bothered to find out. Well, I'm not going to bother to find out now, actually, because you know what? No more crumpets. I'm, I don't know. I'm just trying to sit here thinking, I mean, what is even stuff that we, uh, what are we relying on England for right now? I'm trying to think of what I would need to give up if I was boycotting England. The Dunkirk movie? That was a pretty good movie, but I mean, I don't know. I could live without it. Um, I could live without seeing it again. What if people with British accents provided to the culture lately that we could boycott? Besides terrorism, of course. Elton John? Austin Powers? TheIndependent.co.uk? Yeah, we could cut ties with all that. (laughs) I, I was watching 1917 last night. That is a really fantastic movie. Of course, it was about something more than 100 years ago. So that seems to further prove my point. Modern people with British accents, they're just not doing anything for us anymore. So I say fine, theindependent.co.uk. The ball's in your court. If this is how you want to play it, I, I think you need to prove the worth of people with your accent now. Which is really a waste because have you noticed like any anytime someone says something with a British accent, it does sound smarter. I sound dumber in comparison when I say things not with a British accent. I won't lie, I'm a little bit jealous of them. So anytime I say something and you think it sounds stupid, just pretend I said it with a British accent. You'll understand that I'm handicapped here. Okay, let's talk about another story from this past week. Uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer announced that he is stepping down. This is a big deal because Supreme Court justices, they're always a big deal. But also, this is not a huge deal because he's a liberal justice. We have a liberal president liberal senate so he's just going to be replaced with another liberal justice who will do whatever the liberals want so um i know the the right will probably kind of freak out a bit and be like oh no he's going to be replaced by someone even more extreme i don't know guys Breyer just voted a few weeks ago that that it should be okay for the government to force you to get a vaccine injection just to have a job like he was in favor of that okay which is probably the most extreme and radical government overreach attempt that I've ever seen in my life. And and Stephen Breyer voted in favor of it. So, you know, I don't know how his replacement could really be any worse <laughs> than that. The left is already out of control. And, and they have said Breyer's replacement is going to be a black woman. Um, and it's really too bad that the Republicans have no spine because they should try to impeach Biden over this. I know that wouldn't succeed, but they should try. Because what is he doing? He's pre-selecting the race and gender of who he wants to hire even before he knows who the person is that he's going to hire. Like, didn't we just have, not just have, but didn't we have a whole civil rights movement over this a few decades ago, right? That we aren't going to consider people based on race when considering for a job? Can you imagine, like, if a politician said, oh, we're only going to consider white people for the job? There would be... There would be riots and looting in the streets. Well, guys, that's just as demented as saying you'd only hire a black person for a job. If you don't see that, it's because your mind has been warped by this liberal propaganda everywhere. Okay, racism is still racism. Doesn't matter what direction it goes. 
tell that to the Anti-Defamation League, by the way. So this week, the Anti-Defamation League, and, you know, they're considered, they're supposed to be the experts on race. They're just a left-wing propaganda website, business, or whatever, organization. So on their website this week, the Anti-Defamation League changed the definition of racism to say it only counts if it goes against people of color. And that's what the people who are supposed experts on racism say. I, that's why I still have my 2002 Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Thank you very much. I bought the hardcover book because that, that at least won't change. Okay? But that's the Orwellian time we live in. We're actually going to have some more of that in a little bit. But um, people try to change definitions. I say, no, racism is still racism. doesn't matter if it's going from black to white, white to black, or any of the other million ways it can go. Racism is racism. So I think Democrats are just bitter because Republicans already picked the first black person for the Supreme Court and Republicans already put the first woman on the Supreme Court. So Democrats are like, they're trying to top that now by picking a black woman. But honestly, they're too late on both counts. Okay. And and this is the question that I would, I already know the answer, but I would just want to ask why, why black again? Like why not another race? There's so many races out there. Why did they always have to, you know, go back to um, trying to promote black people again and again instead of like the first something else? There's a lot of things that haven't been on the Supreme Court. But remember what I said last time, the Democrats want to keep reinforcing this false narrative uh, to, to black people. They want to convince black people that black people can't be successful unless a Democrat picks them up and sets them on a pedestal. That's why Biden picked Kamala Harris and says, you know, I'm going to pick a black woman for my vice president. That's why he picked her. They, why We already had a black president. Why not someone who's a totally like a race that's never been picked before? If you're going to just pick the race because they want to target black people and make black people feel like you can't get ahead in this world unless the Democrats push you up there. And frankly, shouldn't Joe Biden have <laughs> learned his lesson about affirmative action hires after how Kamala Harris turned out? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess he hasn't. Another big story from this week has been Ukraine and Russia. So, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Biden did that press conference. He practically greenlit Russia going into Ukraine, you know, saying he hopes it won't happen, but but essentially that there's going to be no consequences against Russia if they tried. And so then Russia started getting aggressive, and now Biden's realized his mistake. He sent some troops out of there to out there to try to scare Russia off. And conservatives are saying, oh, no, he's going to kick off World War III here. Um, guys, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Don't listen to that. It's, I don't think this is going towards war with Russia for a few different reasons. Um, here's the main thing. We don't want war. And Russia doesn't want war. Therefore, they're going to find a diplomatic solution to this. Neither side wants war. Um, that would just be disastrous for either side. So I don't know what the solution is going to be. I mean, Russia might get what it wants. They might invade Ukraine. I'm just saying, I don't think anybody's going to war over this. It's not, it's not something that would benefit either side. But you remember probably when Trump was president, oh, constantly for four years in the news, we're going to have war with North Korea. He's going to start a war with Iran. He's going to start a war with China. You know, they were saying this all the time. But then it turned out Trump was the first president in in decades, literally in my entire lifetime, he's the first president to not get us involved in any new conflicts. 
In fact, with like with North Korea, he de-escalated tensions over there after they said he was going to start a war with them. Over in Jerusalem, he moved the the American embassy to Jerusalem, and people said it's going to start you know a, a explosion in the Middle East of war breaking out over there, terrorist attacks. No, everything was fine. So the left ran around with the terror on fire, you know, over everything Trump did for four years. I'm not going to do that for four years under Biden. Not that I think he'll make it four years, but I'm just saying there's no sign, guys, that this is going to war. So don't buy into all that hype. Now, I mean, hey, he might screw up really big and lose Ukraine. He already he's starting to evacuate the embassy in Ukraine of non-essential people. So that that that's a sign to me that he's willing to give up on Ukraine. Um, I don't know. I don't anticipate he's going to try to start a war there because it's just not something that either side would want. Uh, it's not going to actually benefit Russia in the long run. So someone's going to blink. Someone's going to back off here. I don't know who it'll be. I'm just saying I don't think anyone's going to war over this. Uh, and if you're wondering why Russia now, of all times, that they're starting to get so aggressive on taking Ukraine, you know, they made some attempts back when Obama was president. Uh, Obama said, hey, th- if they don't cross the red line, meaning cross the border over there into Crimea, he said, as long as they don't cross my red line, then we won't go to war with Russia. Then they crossed the line and Biden, or, I mean, Obama still did nothing. That was Obama's big foreign relations blunder. That was one of his big embarrassments, that he let Russia have Crimea, which is a city in Ukraine. And now Russia is wanting to take more of Ukraine and install some of their own puppets in the Ukraine government that are pro-Russia. Um, why did Why is Russia getting so aggressive now when they didn't for years under Trump? They didn't get aggressive for years, and all of a sudden they're aggressive under Joe Biden. Why is that? Well, here's a big clue. But uh, um, I might point out, you're, uh, when I went to Dearborn driving that, uh, you know, uh, was up there. I don't know, man. It, it, uh, I think the press thought I was crazy. I enjoyed it so much going up and uh, your new EV factory in, uh, in that, uh, that Hummer. That right there is why Russia is not afraid of us. And if Russia takes Ukraine with no consequence, uh, you can probably expect China to move on Taiwan too. And that's that's just the reality. Elections have consequences, people. You elect someone with this mental capacity to be president, this is what happens. Okay? People around the world are going to feel it. Afghanistan already has. Ukraine's already started the evacuation. Taiwan might be a goner too. Elections have consequences. We're going to pause here and do our Beyond the Headlines segment. So today for Beyond the Headline, um, actually, this is not a news story. This is uh, a, tw- a tweet, a Twitter thread. Okay, that's when someone has like a series of tweets in a row. I'm learning this lingo for myself because I started getting active on Twitter. Hey, you can follow us on Twitter with the Fake News Podcast. It's at Fake News Weekly. Um, come follow us on there if you want to stay in touch throughout the week. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of learning Twitter. Uh, you can find a lot of news on Twitter. A lot of fake news, a lot of real news, a lot of people making fun of fake news, which is what I'm here for. So anyway, there's been this popular Twitter thread 
being shared around a lot in conservative Twitter, okay? And um, it's by someone named Isaiah L. Carter. He's at Isaiah L. Carter. It says on his bio, Baltimore born, New York City made, alt middle, occasional writer, interlocking engineer, soccer head, proud uncle to five nephews and two nieces. Okay, so that's his bio right there. Anyway, just a regular guy. I think it's a, from the picture, it looks like he's a black guy. Um, I'm only mentioning that because I think it's kind of part of the story here. Um, But anyway, he put out this Twitter thread talking about how disappointed he is with Joe Biden saying he voted for Joe Biden. Here's what he says. I'm going to be totally honest. I'm a registered Democrat and someone who voted, donated to Biden's campaign. I supported Kamala Harris from the day she announced her run for president. I was happy when Biden asked her to be her running mate. A year later, I am furious with them both. This is, like I said, this has been shared on the Twitter, conservative Twitter, all over the place. People talking about, like, this guy totally takes down Joe Biden. He gives five reasons why Joe Biden's such a big failure. He voted for Joe Biden. He's not happy with what he got. Well, let's go through Isaiah Carter's five reasons. Um, Number one, he says, let's start with the horrendous way that Biden presided over the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Desperate refugees dropping to their deaths from the landing gear of American planes. American trucks, tanks, and weapons abandoned to the Taliban who took Kabul in just four days. The way Biden just left American diplomats to find their own ways home before the the Taliban took back Kabul's airport. Um, The defiant old man attitude that Biden took to defend his actions when millions of Americans were horrified beyond belief and wanted an explanation. Now, Isaiah, Isaiah Carter, so that's reason number one, Afghanistan. That was the worst thing Joe Biden did all of last year. Okay, so that's a good one to start with. Number two, this administration... Really, the Democratic Party in general at this point loves condescension and talking down to people with legitimate concerns and criticisms about the direction our country is going. The sake bombs, the way Biden snarls at the press, the unprofessional punching down, snarking way that Jamie Harrison tweets. It feels like they know they're wrong, but they don't care. That goes back to misreading of Biden's victory in 2020. So his second thing is that Joe Biden and the Democrats in general are being very condescending, not listening to the legitimate concerns of people in the country that they just try to be sarcastic and blow off concerns. And then he gives some statistics about how many people think the country's moving in the wrong direction. Okay, number three. The administration's push for critical race theory and the 1619 Project as the one true way to educate our kids on America's racist foundations. I'm speaking as a black man, folks. I'm speaking as someone who by most metrics should be pushing CRT as the best way to teach our kids about racism, but I don't. Critical race theory is the most abominable, abominable, divisive form of postmodernist indoctrination I've ever seen. This goes far beyond the scam artistry from scum like Ibram X. Kennedy and Robin D'Angelo. And then he goes on from there. Okay, that's number three, the critical race theory push and how terrible critical race theory is. Number four, these ever-present COVID mandates and the abject cruelty that's come with them. And, you know, enough said right there. He complains about the vaccine mandates and the the mask mandates and on all that stuff. And he complains about that. But we kind of know where we kind of know that. Like we understand that where he's coming from on that. And then number five. Oh, where was number five? Okay, you know what? I can't find number five. Maybe he posted it later. Um, Don't see it here. 
But I want to stop there. So people are just gushing over this tweet. I mean, if you look at the replies to it, it's like, you, sir, are a national treasure. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate and respect you. This is a good rant. Uh, and other people asking where reason number five is. Okay, so uh, here's what I want to say about that. I don't, I, actually, I am skeptical whether this is even real. But let me just say, this guy right here, all the stuff he's complaining about Joe Biden, other than Afghanistan, all the stuff he's complaining about Joe Biden is stuff that we that you should have already known before you voted for him. Like, this is all obvious stuff. The Democrats were saying all through the pandemic that they didn't want it to end, that this was a this was a method by which they could overhaul the economic system, that this, you know, this gave them a lot of opportunity to do a lot of things they've been planning for a while to reshape our economic system. They were saying that early on. They were the ones who were against coming up with a vaccine. They wanted to keep the lockdowns going when everyone else wanted to come out. They wanted to keep the masks on indefinitely with no explanation for when they would come off. This was all what the Democrats wanted all through the 2020 campaign, all through the whole coronavirus, like the whole deal. Their critical race theory, um, divisive and <laughs> the, the hateful ideology of race that the left has embraced now. We saw this with the Black Lives Matter riots all through 2020. Okay, so the thing with Isaiah Carter here, people are just gushing over him and everything he said as if he's this genius as if like, oh, he's speaking truth, the truth that we need to hear right now. Guys, if this guy couldn't see like who Biden was and that this is all the stuff Biden was going to push and promote, if this guy couldn't see that in 2020, he's not very smart. Like we, that's what we should be saying about this guy. He just wasn't very bright. It's nice that he can see the truth now. Okay. It's nice that he's smart enough to see that now. But all this stuff, other than Afghanistan, I don't think anyone could have seen how seen that coming, how badly Biden was going to handle Afghanistan withdrawal. But other than that, all this stuff that the guy is saying, like this was all baked into the cake with Biden before the election even happened. This is all stuff that he should have known. So I'm saying like this guy that the right has been promoting a lot this week, Isaiah Carter, he's, he's honestly not that intelligent if he couldn't see this stuff coming before. Like this, like when he complains about critical race theory and how it's this divide, you know, promoting the 1619 project um, and all that. Like, guys, the left has been trying to get that put in school for years now. He should have known that during the election. He says that he was a Kamala Harris supporter back when she was running in the primaries. Now, it's possible because less than 1% of Democrats did support Kamala Harris in the primaries, and she dropped out before the primaries even started up with the, before the first vote was ever cast. She went ahead and dropped out because she was so far behind. It's possible that he supported her. But that would make him, like, <laughs> in a real fringe of the Democratic Party of people who, like, she is just an objectively terrible politician and terrible person, terrible candidate, extremely unlikable. If he was supporting her back then, again, that doesn't speak very well to his intelligence. So all I'm saying is, whoever this guy, Isaiah Carter, is, um, it's nice that he can see the truth now. Good for him. But he's honestly, he's not that intelligent if he couldn't see the truth before. We don't need to be promoting him as, like, oh, look at this new conservative superstar <laughs> that, that he knows how to tell the truth. He knows how to see see things for what they are. Eh, not, not exactly, guys. No, not really. And I even have doubts as to whether it's real or not, this, this thing. Because he is a very good writer. You can tell he's got some, 
He's whoever wrote this is an intel. It's an intelligent, intelligently written thread. I guess I would say. So I'm kind of skeptical at how someone that smart enough to write that well was dumb enough to vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. All right, um, we're going to go back into the stories now. We're going to be closing up here before long, but um, I want to talk about something else from this past week. Something that I actually loved was that Brian Stelter had a really bad week. And I always love making fun of Brian Stelter. And not just because he sounds like Mickey Mouse with AIDS, although that's part of it. But Brian Stelter has a CNN show that's basically what, like, it's kind of like what my show is here, to be honest. Um, he talks about how the media covers news, and he basically just complains about how Fox covers news, and that's all I ever hear him talking about. So he's whining about how on Fox, someone, someone on Fox described Biden's administration as a clown car driving off a cliff. And Brian Stelter got really offended by that. <laughs> he goes on his show and says... CNN would never air an incendiary phrase like that. Okay, direct quote of what he said. He said, that's the great example of the incendiary rhetoric that you would have never seen, let's say from another channel, during the Trump years or now during the Biden years. Well, Brian Stelter, I got some bad news for you. Uh, Anderson Cooper, your fellow CNN host, he used that phrase last Thursday <laughs> talking about Donald Trump's re-election campaign from 2020. When I say last Thursday, I don't mean, um, what I mean is January the 20th, not the 27th. But anyway, uh, barely over a week ago, that phrase was used on CNN by a CNN host talking about Donald Trump's re-election campaign from 2020, because they're still talking about Donald Trump over there on CNN. And then another CNN show called Inside Politics, um, in December 2021, they used the phrase to talk about Republicans back when they were trying to repeal Obamacare in 2017. Don Lemon called the Republicans a clown show in a circus in November 2021. Anderson Cooper used that phrase again about Donald Trump's presidential administration back in September of 2021. The exact same phrase, a clown car going off a cliff. So all those are from, that's just from six months on CNN. There's more we could go back to. But the same channel that Brian Stelter, that he uses to claim Oh, here at CNN, we do responsible journalism. We would never use such incendiary language. I, I, and I, even then, I'm like, who get honestly, how is that incendiary? Who gets offended by the phrase clown car? <laughs> I've never heard of anyone consider that offensive before. But Brian Stelter did. The other thing that gave Stelter a bad week. Again, this was his own words coming back to bite him. Brian Stelter said back in, um, back in 2018... Donald Trump had cussed out a CNN reporter, called a reporter a son of a blank. I won't use the word here on this show, but he called him a son of a blank. And Brian Stelter was whining about it to Twitter, saying, calling a journalist a son of a bleep, it was wrong when Trump was just a candidate, and it's even worse now that he's president of the United States. Well, you want to know what Joe Biden did this week? Called a reporter <laughs> a son of a blank. Uh, Peter Ducci, I think his name is, over at... Um, at uh, Fox News, Peter, Steve or Peter Ducey? I can't remember his name. But anyway, uh, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden called him a son of a blank. I did not include that in our message from our president section. <laughs> I won't play the clip here today either. But, you know, so Stelter had nothing negative to say about it when Joe Biden does it. He called it a deadpan, which is, you know, that's what someone says when 
another person makes a joke and they do it in a without making a jokey voice they call it deadpanning that's what he that's what brian stelter called it cnn just talked about you know biden might have called a reporter that but at least he's better than trump (laughs) in his press relations i mean that's how they reported biden cussing out a reporter they said well at least he's better than trump at how he relates to the press (laughs) so guys this is why the media has no credibility anymore because they show their cards week after week. They they have no integrity, no principles. They're just shills for the Democratic Party. That's why my show here exists. You know, Jim Acosta, another CNN reporter, he was the White House correspondent during the Trump era. And he said this week, I kid you not, he said this week that he said, I still have scars on my back from the Trump administration. <laughs> scars on his back. So Brian Stelter doesn't find it offensive if you call a Fox News reporter a son of a blank, but he does find it offensive to say clown car. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, speaking of offensive, let's find out what's racist for this week. Everything is racist. What is racist for this week? Well, I'm going to start with M&Ms again. Um, If you remember from last week, so the M&Ms have decided to go woke. They're going to start being more inclusive uh, with their M&Ms from now on. I, we talked about this last week. I'm talking about the little cartoon M&M people that are on their commercials and stuff. I don't really know how to explain it better than that. That's literally what they put out a press release. There were news reports about this last week, that they're going to make their characters more inclusive. So now the green M&M said they're, that it's not going to wear high heels anymore. But sneakers instead. Guys, I'm not kidding. This was like the press release from M&M Company. The M&M woke redesign of their characters, which barely look different from the old M&M designs. Like, they changed the shoes on a couple characters. I mean, I was thinking about, like, M&M's. Wouldn't that be a great opportunity to teach a positive lesson about race with M&M's? Okay, if they, if they had came out with something like this instead when they want to go woke. If they had said, hey, like, something like, we're all different colors on the outside, but we're all the same on the inside. Well, that's not the direction they were going with this. Um, they're probably, I don't know, they're like going to announce that one of them's gay or something on the inside. <laughs> but, you know, I made a joke about a trans skittle in the last episode. Transgenders, like an Eminem transgender to a skittle. Anyway, Babylon B made the same joke <laughs> after Eminem's made the announcement. So I, I love to see that like their brain went to the same place mine did trying to make a joke about that because Babylon B has such perfect parodies. But like I was mentioning last time, sometimes society is getting so crazy People don't even know what's a parody anymore. Like this headline that I saw from a website called HeyAlma.com. Okay. The headline says this. Is the orange M&M Jewish? An investigation. So, you know, I see that. And I think that's got to be a joke. You know, someone's mocking the M&M company. They made a funny blog post or something. No, this was real. A headline that said, is the orange M&M Jewish? Okay, and here was the subhead. M&M's recently rebranded their mascots, and the anxiety-ridden orange is suddenly feeling awfully familiar. (laughs) So the contention in this article is that the orange M&M looks Jewish, so therefore he must... um, The the contention in this article is that the orange M&M looks nervous, so therefore he must be representing Jews. I'm not kidding, you guys. That's what it said. This is how the left wing thinks. Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Like, I clicked on the name of the person who wrote the article. It's Molly Tolsky. She has 
pronouns in her bio. So that, you know, that pretty much confirms we're dealing with a left winger here. And so I read the article and I, I have to say, this was actually, it's clearly not a parody. Okay. They really thought through this. She really thought through this and she wrote it. And this is what she said in the article. When I see any character that's defined by their anxiety, whether it's on TV or in a bag of candy, I immediately suspect that this entity just might be Jewish. <laughs> that is for real. You just can't tell what's parody anymore, guys. Um, that's where we're at as society. As far as what's racist for the week, here is another great information drop um, from the University of Washington. They've released their new inclusive language guide. This is their Orwellian annual document. It tells you all the words that you aren't supposed to say anymore, as well as the new things you're supposed to, to say instead. And many times the things you aren't supposed to say anymore, they're like the things they told you to start saying last year, and now they're already changing it. It's literally like 1984, guys. The language is always shifting, and yet you're castigated and called a bad person when you get it wrong. So here's what you need to know is offensive for this year. I'm, this is not a joke. You can find this this newly, newly released document. It's right on the University of Washington website. It's in their diversity and inclusion section. UW.edu is their website. Okay, here's what they tell you is offensive now. The phrase brown bags, as in, I brought a brown bag lunch today. Okay, that means someone who, um, you know, they bring their own, like say you're having a meeting, you say, hey, brown bag it, bring, bring your own lunch, and we're going to have this, this meeting over here at this table and talk about something and bring your own lunch. That's basically what it means. Okay, that is now a problematic phrase because it says, Brown bags trace back to the brown paper bag test, which was traditionally used to judge skin color. So <laughs> to judge your skin color, they'd hold a brown bag up to you and see if you were darker than that brown bag or not. And if you were, they'd categorize you certain ways. They say, don't say brown bag anymore. Even if your brown bag has nothing to do with... I mean, the, the thing from history, I guess, supposedly, if this is even true, the thing from history... Uh, is had nothing to do with lunch or bringing food in a bag. But anyway, if you mention a brown bag for your lunch, they say no. Instead, say, bring your own lunch. Don't say brown bag it. Just say, bring your own lunch. Okay? Here's another word that's offensive now. Minority, which is just a word that literally means a smaller number, like less than the majority. It's called the minority. That's just literally what it means. It's a descriptive term. It's supposedly objective, but now they say it's problematic because it can imply less than or that someone is other. So they say, don't use the word minority anymore. For real. <laughs> okay, here's another one. No can do. Saying no can do has been tossed out now. Instead, you're supposed to say, I can't do it. You know, some people say just as colloquially, they'll say, uh, oh, no can do. You know, they don't mean anything offensive by it, obviously. It's just kind of a folksy way of saying that I can't do something. That and, and anyway, they say it's problematic because it it mocks Chinese pidgin English. They say, this is what they say. The phrase dates from the mid-19th to early 20th centuries, an era when Western attitudes toward the Chinese were markedly racist. Okay, so they say it comes from a time in America where people were more racist toward Chinese. Here, notice how they're notice how they're using language here, okay? It does not say that the phrase was intended to mock Chinese people. 
It just says it comes from a time when Western attitudes toward the Chinese were markedly racist, okay? But it doesn't even claim that the phrase originated that way. It just came from a time when people were more racist. See the difference there? They're just playing with language and trying to make you feel bad about stuff that no one should feel bad about. It's just a silly little phrase. Now, here's something else that they've said is, you can't use this anymore. Here's another one. The, the, the phrase preferred pronouns, okay? Now they need to be called personal pronouns. Yeah, you know how like they're saying, oh, put your preferred pronouns in your bio. Well, now that's out. You're not supposed to say preferred pronouns anymore because preferred implies that a person's pronoun is optional and it suggests that gender identity and expression is a preference. <laughs> so they say, no, like your preferred pronouns, they're not a preference. You were born with your pronouns, okay? They're just intrinsic to you. So it's not something you prefer. It's just your personal pronouns. So they're trying to get rid of preferred pronouns now. They want you to say personal pronouns. Whatever. And here's, here's if it gets even crazier than that, I know we've kind of left race here, but it gets even crazier than that. They also say, here's some more problem words. He and she. His and her. You're not supposed to use the, phrase, the words he and she or his and her anymore. You just want to refer to everybody as they, them, or theirs, even if you're referring to a singular person. They just want to totally get rid of any gender distinction now in pronouns, basically. Just use they, them, theirs. That's how, that's how it's going over in Washington. Um, here's a couple more that are race-related. You're not supposed to say spirit animal. They say spirit animals are an important part of the belief system of some cultures that refer to a spirit. Okay, you know how people use this phrase. They say, oh, yeah, a panther is my spirit animal because they say I'm a, I like to run. I'm really fast. I'm really agile. They say a panther is my spirit animal. Or it's, my wife would say a sloth is my spirit animal. Or we say that Ron Swanson is her spirit animal. You know, it's just a joke people make. Well, you're not supposed to say that anymore because it's problematic because referring to something as your spirit animal is cultural appropriation. So they say you're not supposed to culturally appropriate. We'll talk about that more in a second. Totem pole is out. You will know what a totem pole is. And people use the phrase sometimes like, oh, I'm the low man on the totem pole. Again, you're not supposed to use totem pole because it's cultural appropriation. You're not supposed to use the word ninja. As in someone who, well, we know what a ninja literally is. But sometimes you say someone's a ninja at a certain thing because they're really good at something. Um, you're not supposed to use that anymore because, again, it's cultural appropriation. So let's talk about cultural appropriation as we close out. You hear this tossed out sometimes. I just want to say cultural appropriation is not something that's bad. Like people say, oh, hey, you can't wear a sombrero on Cinco de Mayo. It's cultural appropriation. You know, when they say that, they don't have a reason that it's bad. They just want to slap that label on it and... This is how the left is. They think if they can slap a label on something, that's just the end of the discussion. Or when they say, oh, you can't wear that Halloween costume, it's cultural appropriation. When they say you can't have dreadlocks, okay, that's cultural appropriation. Well, by the way, dreadlocks do look really terrible on white people, but it's not, it's not racist, okay? <laughs> but I might leave that one alone. If you're white and if you have dreadlocks, it's not cultural appropriation, but you should go shave your head. Like right now, 
Go pause this podcast, shave your head, and then come back and leave a five-star review. I just helped you, okay? But here's what I just want to say about all that. Cultural appropriation has never been proven to be a bad thing. It's just a label people stick on stuff. I would say cultural appropriation is cultural appreciation because it means you see something that you like about another culture and then you want to do that thing. You want to do that thing too. It's appreciation. So it's not stealing because you're not taking it away from someone else. You're sharing it with them. I mean, I think that's what America is. Not to romanticize it too much, but what did we do with America? We took the best parts of everything that came before us and we made something new and something better out of it all. We took, we took all the best, we cut out the worst. And that's why our society has so much diversity within it. And we're not, we're not just a copy of someone else's culture, but we're a mixture. That's why they call America the melting pot. That's one way we could say that, I can't believe I'm saying this, but that is a way that diversity is our strength, okay? Because we, you know, we used to have the maturity in this country to separate the good from the bad, the useful from the not useful, when we were taking things from various cultures. We could look at a culture. We had the guts to even say this culture is bad and this one is good. But we also had the, the intellectual maturity to be able to look and say, oh, we could use this thing from that culture, but we don't want that other stuff. And we could take all the best and make something even better out of it all. So that is a way that, in you know, diversity is our strength in this country in that way. That's why we have the tea, but not the crumpets. I still don't know what crumpets are. I never did stop to look it up. I want to assume that they suck because apparently those didn't make it across the ocean. But the tea did. All right. And, and here in... My part of the country where I live in the Midwest, we made it into sweet tea. All right. We, we appropriated something and we even improved upon it. Okay. Cultural appropriation is a good thing. I mean, can you imagine a world without tacos? We appreciate Mexican culture. When I eat a taco, I am not appropriating Mexican culture. I'm appreciating it every Tuesday. I, I did Google cultural appropriation. I found out that twerking originated in South Africa. Now, I do think we need to give that one back, guys. <laughs> that's, one, that's one that we shouldn't have brought over here. <laughs> but in all seriousness, with this, this accusation of cultural appropriation, it's a fake controversy 99% of the time whenever someone is claiming cultural appropriation. Like if someone gets a tattoo of something that's from another country, that's not... Um, appropriation, or you could say it is, but I would say it's a—it's not a bad thing. It's appreciation. You don't get a tattoo of something to mock it, to own someone else. I mean, that's a permanent thing on your skin. You do that because you say there's something beautiful to you about it. Okay. When a girl wears a kimono, that's appreciating Japanese culture. When a guy eats with chopsticks, that's appreciating Chinese culture. When a kid wears a Black Panther Halloween costume, that's appreciating Wakandan culture. And if you see me pointing a gun at an orange M&M, I'm just appreciating British culture. Thanks for listening to Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. This has been Luke Taylor. And uh, if you hear that Russia decides to back off Ukraine for a while, that might be true. But if you think it's because they're afraid of Joe Biden, that's just fake news. Okay.